0: My name is Kieran Garry, and I'm host of a new series of podcasts from the Irish Dental Association called The Whole Tooth. During the series, we'll be examining a wide range of dental and oral health issues which affect dentists in their working lives. In the first episode, we're going to look at some of the particular challenges which new dentists face when starting out on their careers. Whatever the topic, you know you'll be getting the tooth, the whole tooth, and nothing but the tooth. Let's meet three dentists in their 30s who are going to share their formative experiences in dentistry with us. I'm joined in studio by Dr. Jennifer Collins and Dr. Daniel Collins, no relation, who work in private practice, and Dr. Caroline Marin, who is studying to be an orthodontist, but who previously worked with the HSE. You're all very welcome. Jennifer, if I can start with you, what first attracted you to dentistry?
1: Well, as a child, I always wanted to be either a dentist or a doctor, and my mother is a doctor, still works as a doctor, and always told me to avoid medicine like the plague. So as a result of that, I decided to go down the dentistry route. At a very young age, I was interested in the sciences and also liked kind of pharmacology and chemistry sets, etc. when I was a child. And then as I grew older, I decided to choose the path of dentistry and was lucky enough to have gotten the points for Cardiff.
0: And how did you find Cardiff?
1: It was a great experience. There's a lot of Irish in Cardiff so it felt kind of like a home away from home. There's a huge, vast population in the UK. I mean, the UK has a population of 66 million, you know, so there's a a huge number of patients looking for treatment on their National Health Service. So there was no shortage of patients. So I got a great experience and met some lots of amazing people and formed friendships that I still have to this day.
0: Daniel, Jennifer is from Cork but you're from Dublin, but you headed to Cork.
2: Yeah, not too many people do that. I was in Trinity for a year doing a course called Medicinal Chemistry. There was no graduates from that course, so I quite quickly realised that upon graduation, even having done a PhD or a doctorate, pretty much a salary cap, and you were spending a lot of time in a lab, and that really didn't kind of equate to where I saw my future going. I like my free time, and I like to play a lot of golf, <laughs> um, and I remember having a chat with a few of my dad's friends who are dentists. My father is actually a GP, and similar to Jennifer, he turned me away from doing medicine. When I was younger, science subjects kind of came naturally to me, applied, and the points actually switched. So I would have got into year, in Trinity the year I'd applied had I thought about it at that stage. But unfortunately, we switched, and I ended up in UCC. But thankful, it's given me a wife and a business partner, so not too bad.
0: And how did you find Cork?
2: I enjoyed the first two years on campus. You're mixed in with a lot of the medical students. A lot of your lectures, anatomy, cardiology, physiology, and then you're somewhat segregated up after that up in the dental hospital, up in UCC. found that tough. There isn't much time off. You've got about four to six weeks off for summer holidays. A lot of clinical requirements. Socialising is kind of limited. But as I said, I'm, I'm happy I got out of there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they would be delighted to hear that in Cork. Caroline? You're from Dublin and yeah. you stayed in Dublin. I did, yeah. Um, did you have somebody who sort of put you off um, well, medicine
3: as well? I suppose similar, yeah, I kind of. I, I. Similarly, I liked science subjects in school and I kind of knew I wanted to go into something to do with healthcare and dealing with patients. And I had a really positive experience with my own family dentist, John O'Grady, uh, who was amazing. But yeah, I was good at my hands and I liked kind of practical work. But my sister was studying medicine at the time and just certain aspects about the future lifestyle and things like that sort of put me off a little bit. So I decided to choose dentistry and I was delighted with my choice in the end. so where, where did you study? I studied in Trinity in Dublin Dental Hospital and qualified in 2012. And I really enjoyed it. I found it quite diverse in that we got exposure to lots of different clinical areas. And I think that it was interesting and that I was kind of interested in, this, in the topic and learning about sort of how the practical applications are grounded in science and learning about the background of all of that was great. But I did find it challenging as well. And similar to Daniel, I think that, you know, it's it's hard treating and managing patients from kind of second year onwards. And it's it's sort of almost like going home to study after a day job. It's sort of, it's, it's very much full-time, long hours Longer terms, shorter holidays, things like that. But I loved that you came out the other side of it as a dentist and that you were ready to work if you know and, and done. I really liked that, that side. And
0: just on that, did you find that it prepared you for the professional life?
3: I did. I think that sort of the range of cases that you see, you know, learning to manage difficult cases, um, learning, I suppose, the aspects of managing treatment plans, dealing with maybe difficult cases, dealing with time pressures, learning about confidentiality, clinical notes, all these things that kind of go along with the life of a dentist, I thought was definitely a great preparation for coming out. And I think that, you know, the goal is sort of to to allow you to be able to deal deal with and treat and manage patients. And I think that the course... Gets you to that stage.
0: And where did you go after college? So
3: after college, I moved to the UK and I did a year of foundation training in Devon, down in the southwest of England. It was a fantastic opportunity. I was there for the year. It was kind of a training scheme programme in general practice with a dedicated trainer and 12 other foundation trainees. So it was a fantastic year. It was sort of hard at the time to have to go. I qualified, as I said, in 2012, sort of in the middle of a recession. So there weren't really many opportunities for newly qualified dentists at the time. And pretty much everyone in my class, bar those who actually got jobs, in the dental hospital itself, had to go, so we went. But it turned out to be fantastic, and um, the southwest of England was stunning. And it was great training, and it was a lovely bridge between college and then independent professional practice. It was a great opportunity to have.
0: That is a kind of mentoring year. It
3: is, yeah, exactly. It's as it says, foundation training. So you're you're on a scheme. You're in practice, but there's a dedicated dentist who's working in the practice who's your trainer. So if you have any issues or any questions or anything, you can go to them and ask them. And you also have lecture days once a week where you're doing kind of. Different different... different topics every week and and gaining more experience. So it was a fantastic
0: opportunity. And and briefly then, you came back to Ireland and you did a few different jobs. I did. Yeah, I
3: did. So I went to a, a careers day when I was over there and I thought I might like to do orthodontics. And I was advised about training posts that you kind of have to do in order to be competitive and to try and get entry onto that. So the first one they advised was to do a paediatrics year. So I applied for that in Dublin Dental Hospital and thankfully got it. So it was an SHO post and that was great. So I was in Dublin Dental Hospital for a year. And then subsequently, again, if you want to do orthodontics, They advise you to do a surgery post, so I applied for a job in Cork, dental hospital down there to do a surgery post for the year and went down there the year after and did that and and loved
0: it. And from there you went to the HSC. Uh, I think. Exactly, yeah.
3: So while I was down there, I had an opportunity to do, I needed to get some research experience and I was quite interested in public health. So there was a, there's a master's in dental public health that you can do in UCC and I took the opportunity to do that when I was down there. It was a year-long research master's and it was brilliant. I really, really enjoyed it and it was a great opportunity. But while I was doing that, I applied for some HSE posts and, and managed to get one, which was great. So I started working for the HSE and I worked for them for almost three years. <laughs> there that's you
0: a, that's, a, that's a very full CV. Uh, yeah. we, we, might come back to the, we might come back to the HSC, uh, your, your, your role there. Yeah. Danny, how did you find that the course prepared you for professional life?
2: I had certain aspects I, I felt I was very well trained on, and I suppose certain aspects it wasn't so much the training, but I, I just didn't really have much of an interest in, and that kind of didn't stand to me. Uh, I remember the first patient I had to see was to remove a tooth, um, and it was about three months since I'd qualified, and I was trying to remember the, all the theory that we'd been taught. After about two or three blocks and about half an hour, eventually the tooth came out. But quite quickly, once you get on the job, you start learning. And I was lucky enough that the dentist I was working with, he was able to kind of help me a lot, starting off and give me quite a bit of guidance. And slowly but surely, he's kind of progressed my skill set. The composites were taught quite well in college. I think now it's from understanding from a few of the graduates that I have working for myself at the moment, pretty much everything is done under rubber dam where it wasn't as kind of stringent when we were back at college at that stage about 10 years ago
0: and you think that's really important to have a good mentor like that in your first yeah first i think role.
2: i think starting off i think it's crucial i know at the moment they used to have a scheme here and that was abolished obviously when the when the cuts came in it's very hard for someone graduating to to figure out what kind of career pathway to go they're taught very well clinically but when it actually gets into treating patients dealing with people communication styles paye prsi all the basics that go with becoming a self-employed or an employed dentists, There's a lack of teaching or education, I think, at an undergraduate level in that area.
0: And would you like to see those things included in the curriculum?
2: Yeah, I think there's definitely scope to, to put a module in there. I know it is important that they get enough uh, academia and the clinical skill sets to be able to do their jobs competently, but I think they should have an understanding, even if they don't want to run their own practice, I think it's important to have an understanding as to how a practice runs. And even from a basic point of view, what's PAOE, what's PRSI... P45, what should I look for in a contract, what's my employer going to want from me in a contract, what am I entitled to, days off, holiday pay, free hours, bunch off, and these are things graduates aren't exposed to until they're literally in the job, which can be too late, unfortunately, at some stage.
0: Now you set up your own practice. How long did you work as an associate and, and what were the challenges you faced when you set up that practice?
2: I worked as an associate for about... right 2007, I started work in the North Strand. From there after about two years I worked in a practice out in Sutton and when the recession kind of hit, I quickly was left with no job. At that stage I'd made a decision. I was either going to emigrate or try and do my own thing. My now wife had just started off in the oral surgery programme so I knew I was going to be here. So I decided if I was going to try and take up a job, I want to try and set up my own clinic. And I didn't want to ever have anyone fire me or let me go from a clinic again because it was too quiet. As a result, I approached my best friend at the time, still is, thankfully. Gave an idea of what I was thinking and about 18 months later, after quite a few struggles with NAMA, we eventually opened first clinic and our first surgery. Where, where was that? The IFSC. It's attached to the National College of Ireland. We started off with one room, we had a plumb for three, we were stone broke when we opened it. We worked a 40 hour week between the two of us and at the time I worked part time jobs in Ballyfermot, Bray, Dundalk, worked every Saturday for about three years. And then at the end of the first year I'd gone back and done a postgrad in conscious sedation, getting married and I'd made a decision enough was enough, I was going to try and go in full time. And then slowly, uh, we weren't to no, know, but slowly things started to pick up in the economy. Six months later, Greg came in full time. And then about two or three months after that, we took on our first hygienist and our first associate, who's thankfully still with us today.
0: So you haven't looked back since?
2: No, thankfully it's been, it's been going quite well today. So
0: yeah, That's great, great to hear. Uh, Jen, how about yourself after college? What path did you take?
1: So, I did a year of vocational training in the UK, probably similar to what you did. And again, that was a four day working week and one day on a Friday where you had a training day. That was a really good experience in that, again, you had a mentor and someone helping you out and kind of showing you kind of different techniques and different ways of doing things, stuff you mightn't have learnt in college. Now, the salary was low, but at the time it didn't matter because you only had yourself to to care for. So, you know, that was fine. It was a great year. At the end of it, I kind of was really, you know, I found I wasn't so skilled at things like oral surgery so then I decided to do a two-year SHO program in oral surgery in the UK which was great so after the two years of that that was what I was best at then and I think that's the good way of doing things is kind of immersing yourself early in things you're nervous about because you know it's great to get experience early in, in those kind of fields. So I did two years doing Max Facts SHO in Brighton and that was a really difficult job. A lot of on call work, doing treatments I would never imagined doing now, you know, I mean really you know, difficult surgeries and suturing faces and a lot of work under general anesthetic and it was a fantastic experience. And again in the UK there's such a cauldron of patients, there's so much work to be done. And obviously is more dentists but I feel I got a really good experience over there
0: and you, you work as an associate now yes so yeah. what do you think are the particular challenges that face associates
1: I guess as an associate you know we're self-employed generally so we in a way we don't have any rights over our job which can leave us quite vulnerable as Daniel was saying in a recession he didn't have any job you know whereas if you're a principal you have a bit more security especially for female associates we have a kind of a whole set of issues that are kind of unique to our gender that if we want to have children etc you know, when you go on maternity leave, in theory, <clears throat> we're not legally entitled to our job back. It's, you know, generally there's a good relationship with the principal and you get your job back. But often people aren't getting the jobs back on the same terms and conditions that they left. So they mightn't be doing the same hours or the same days. And also we don't get paid any, you don't get paid when we're off. We get our statutory pay of 235 euros a week over, you know, 24 weeks, which is about six grand over six months.
0: Just on that, do you think associates should have written agreements with the principals?
1: Well, most do, you know, most do. And most principals and associates have very good relationships. But, you know, you do hear stories. And there is a written agreement that you can get through the Irish Dental Association, which kind of gives guidelines in how to kind of best practice between principals and associates. But actually, legally, we're still self-employed as associates.
0: What were the business challenges? Danny mentioned some of the ones that he found. What were the particular business challenges you found when you started work?
1: Definitely, it took me a while to figure out the financial side of it all. I mean, it took me a while to realise what work was earning me money and what work wasn't. And obviously, there's a bit of both in your everyday life, but it took me a while to figure out how much I need to earn in order to make a profit and to earn a living. And that really was a good guide for me going forward in that, you know, I might do more of the bigger cases and maybe, you know, still do the lesser cases. But I began to realise, unless you kind of do the bigger cases... You know, it can be difficult to earn a living.
2: I think starting off in your first year when you graduate as well, you just have this massive income stream that comes out of nowhere, having been a student, and then nearly two years later, or 20 months later, you're left with this massive tax bill. Like, oh, well, God, I wasn't, wasn't aware of this. And this is something I think they need to be prepared about when they're employed. Half of what you take straight away is just go into an account that you don't go near. And they live off the other half because the tax part to
0: be that for paid. the future, exactly. future tax. Yeah, and do you think dentists are aware of that when, when they
2: graduate? No, you'd be surprised. No, no. They just want to get out and they want to start working and start earning money. But they need to figure out the structure, how they're going to be employed, how they're going to be remunerated, and ultimately how they're going to generate the turnover and how they're going to set up a pension, saving schemes. You're never too young to start a pension. The younger you start, the better. Put a little bit away every single month, even if it's a small amount, you incre- incrementally can increase it over time but it's probably the most tax-efficient way of planning for your future as well.
0: We talked earlier about the mentoring scheme that is in the UK, but that is actually not available, I think, anymore. You've set up an academy yourself for, for graduate
2: dentists. Yeah, so it was actually the brainchild of my business partner, Greg. Before the last two dentists we took on, it took us quite a while to find graduates before that. It took about a six-month period, and we just realised that the way the industry has been structured, you're either going in working for a multinational or a chain where it's based on turnover and profit, and the dentist kind of full autonomy to do in essence whatever they want or you go to the UK and you learn how to work quick and the quicker you work the more turnover you get but there's no satisfaction in your job when you're just constantly just taking your teeth or doing amalgams so we try to look at a different model and just show younger graduates there's another way of doing it in a model that works if you do your work well take your time doing it you do high quality materials you can charge a premium for doing that but it all comes down, down to, to patient communication. So we took on six first-year graduates this year. We had a day in about six weeks ago and then we've got two more days lined up more on the digital side and some specialist dentistry for next year and we're hoping to roll it out again next year.
0: And down the line do you see that as you, you could possibly reconnect with those dentists in the future?
2: Yeah I mean uh, it, it's not a completely selfless act. I mean I, I hope if I put up an ad in two three years if one of my current associates decides to leave or, or sets up their own practice and i see someone applying for a position in my clinic and they've been through the academy i know the caliber of dentists they are i'd be quite confident that there's going to be someone good with the right skill set the graduating cre- or the question we asked the graduating class was from your class who's going to graduate who would you most like to go see as a dentist so you're not necessarily going to get the most gregarious or the most studious, hopefully you're going to get an all-rounder. And from having had a chat to some of the people in the dental hospital in Cork and Trinity, we seem to have gotten those students this year.
0: Very good. Caroline, you have had a varied experience that we talked about earlier. Can you tell me a little bit about the differences between the HSE working in a hospital and working in private practice?
3: So they're quite, yeah, they're quite vastly different, I suppose. I mean, my first year as a foundation trainee, it was in general practice. But again, as Jennifer said, it's salaried. So you don't have that financial pressure in your first year, which is great because obviously you're quite slow and you're trying to build up your speed and your confidence and things like that. So in that way, you know, I probably didn't get a... A true general practice experience in terms of I wasn't an associate, I was a trainee but it was nice, it was a nice experience to work in a practice and have your own room and to see lots of different things coming in and get exposure to all different types of dentistry. I worked in Sidmouth which was a retirement village so it was very much uh, an elderly population, it's got lots of denture experience and things like that so, but it was great, it was a really good year but I suppose after that year one of the things that I hadn't gotten much experience in was paediatrics because of where the practice was so going from there into the dental hospital To do a paediatric post was a nice shift in gear, I suppose, to go back to where I'd come from in terms of back to where I'd trained and with a little bit more confidence because you'd worked elsewhere and to get that exposure to paediatrics in a hospital setting. So that post is really varied. You're working in Crumlin Children's Hospital, Tala Hospital, the Dental Hospital, Mountjoy Prison, quite randomly and A&E and in the hospital, lots of different settings, and you do an on-call commitment and stuff. So it was a very busy year, but it was great to get an immersed exposure into paediatric dentistry, and I felt like it was a great year to to increase your skills and your confidence in terms of, there was a lot of treatment under general anaesthetics, so your skill set, you know, you could take the behaviour management out of it in that aspect, and you could improve your skills, but then in other settings, you got to improve your behaviour management with children and, and be able to kind of get them to, you know, build up a relationship with them for treatment which was great and then I suppose the surgery or similarly you're immersing yourself in that specialty. With the HSC, again it's, it's mainly paediatrics, it was kind of a community paediatric post so you're mainly seeing children under the age of 16 in the public service and again you're salaried so all of those things that Daniel and Jennifer are talking about in terms of having a pension and things like that are kind of covered for you which is lovely in that you're as I said salaried you've got pension, you've got annual leave you've got maternity leave if and when you need it sick leave if you happen to be unwell, things like that which are which are great but it also has its own challenges as well I think probably the biggest challenge in the HSC at the moment is provision of resources and allocation of resources and I think that it's you know sometimes you see a child and they need a treatment and the treatment is not necessarily covered by the public service and it's very difficult to Communicate that to people and to explain it because you're not actually allowed to do the treatment, and that's really hard. And I think that you know it's hard to be the clinician that is not actually able to help them. And I think that the people who are working for the HSC in terms of the dentists and the dental nurses and hygienists and managers, they have a really hugely you know challenging job in that respect. You know, in terms of trying to manage resources and a huge admiration for them because it takes a lot of hard work and they really do work very hard for the service.
0: That's interesting that that every job really brings its own challenges. Mm -hmm. Jen, you mentioned one thing there earlier about social media, that that, that's an important part of of dentistry right now.
1: What I found, I was in the same private practice for over 10 years and and really enjoyed my time there. And when I... Decided to move practices, a lot of patients didn't know where I'd gone, they didn't even know my name, they might have known my first name, not my surname. So I found in the last year I really developed a social media platform for myself because I didn't have one up to then. And it's one of my regrets that I didn't start one earlier because I really enjoyed the last year kind of sharing different, you know, tricks of the trade uh, uh, through Instagram or kind of before after posts with full consent of the patient, obviously, or even different um, projects I'm doing in the community, you know, talking in local schools or I did a talk for the idea recently in the men's shed and um, you know it's nice to kind of be able to share things like that on Instagram and patients enjoy reading about it.
0: And do you think it leads to much business?
1: I do actually it has done yeah yeah it's been quite a good way of kind of subtle marketing and I have got several patients through LinkedIn or Instagram surprisingly actually. But often it's almost like a history, it's like an online history of yourself. I might not have wanted too much of a history in the early stages of my career, but now I'm pretty comfortable with people knowing the work I'm doing.
0: And I suppose that comes with more confidence in exactly,
1: you. Exactly, exactly. And I know myself, if I decided to move to Galway in the morning, if someone looked me up online, there'd be a lot of information about me online, which I want patients to know about, you know, so it's kind of like an online CV as such.
0: Is that an important part of your business, Denny?
2: Yeah, we, we, we have a few different people that we engage in social media. We, we have people we employ for SEOs, search engine optimization. We have someone else who we get to manage, the Instagram and the Facebook account. We have a staff member at the moment who's keen to do a course on marketing. We would encourage all our staff members to, if they want to do any sort of postgraduate courses, we're, we're more than happy to foot the bill for them to do it because it keeps them enthusiastic in the job. Very quickly I found out money isn't the sole motivator for employees. There's several other factors that you need to take into account as a business owner.
0: Um, I was told you earlier, you mentioned um, that you wanted to enhance the customer experience for people that that come into you. Um, What what does that involve?
2: So we spend one hour with a patient. Most dentists would spend between 20 minutes and half an hour with a new patient. For us, it all comes around the patient's journey with the practice. As a dentist, very little of what you do is what the patient remembers. It's the impact it has before they even meet you. Were they seen on time? What was it like when they came to reception? Was the nurse nice? Was the phone call answered on time? Was the bathroom clean? These are all factors that are going to build a preconception about you and your clinic before they have even come in. So you're trying to tick all these boxes in advance and the better their experience before they come in to meet you, the happier they're going to be. And then a lot of what the way we present information to patients is visual aids. So we would use inter cameras, SLRs, patient experience with Netflix, Netflix. Um, soundproof headphones anything just to make it more comfortable for them no one enjoys getting needles and drilling done so you're trying to make it as a pleasant experience as possible and I think you can present them with as much information and removing words like you need XYZ and presenting them with you can do A, B or C this is what I feel about this one and this one what would you like to do so present them with tangible options rather than sending them down a pigeonhole where they feel they have to make a decision.
0: Yeah, sounds like going to the movies. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Any mistakes when you look back that you think that you learned a lot from? Caroline?
3: Um, not, I don't really feel like I have many mis- big mistakes, you know, thank goodness, uh, to date. But I suppose one thing is maybe could I have specialised earlier because I suppose I'm 30 now and maybe it'd be nice to be coming off a training program at my age rather than starting one but I feel that overall the years of experience that I've gotten will stand to me well and I think that you know it gave me those six years of working I think gave me the time to sort of train and to upskill and to reflect on what I really wanted to do with my career so I think that hopefully I feel like now I'm on the right path and that I've made the right decision but possibly you know it would have been nicer to specialise earlier but I think overall it's I've made the right decision. Very
2: happy. Um, I think from my perspective I think HR has been a huge element as I mentioned realising uh, the understandings of your, of your staff members what makes them tick, what keeps them motivated how to get an active team very very important, also the opposite is true recognising when you may have a bad team member that affects morale throughout the entire clinic that's picked up by patients coming in and that just drags through so you need to be able to pull them aside have them sit down, give them feedback on, on performance
0: What about you Nick?
1: Um, Well, I've always wanted my own dental practice and someday um, I'll get there. But I probably should have kind of started the process before I had children because now I have three small, beautiful children. But the workload is colossal and it's really busy at home. And, you know, I understand, you know, when you have your own dental practice, you really, especially in the beginning, have to be on the ground five days a week and put in the hours. And at the moment, I don't think it can happen because of my children. So I probably wish I did that maybe kind of five, seven years ago, but I don't regret having kids obviously but hopefully in the future
0: i'll get there and if you had to look at advice or tips for dentists starting out
2: find a mentor find a, find mentor. a mentor as quick as you can don't stop learning do as many courses as you can earlier on in your career increase your manual dexterity find out what you like and then proceed in doing more and more of that but you need to experience as much as you can earlier on in your career to figure out what you like i came out thinking i would love root canal extractions i barely to root canal now I haven't taken a tooth out in three years so it it changes it's constantly evolving once you find something you like you become passionate about it you care about it and you upskill and you become better and that gives you a niche skill set then to be able to market
0: what would you say, Jen?
1: Self care is really important, not to burn out too early. You know, a lot of dentists, <clears throat> I would have done the same. I wouldn't have taken an hour lunch break. I would have sat down in my surgery and done my nose for the first half hour and waited to start back again at two o'clock. Now I take the full hour, I go for a walk, I meet a friend for lunch, you know, I do something active to kind of clear my mind. I also, I really think it's important to, um, if if you're not a member of the Irish Dental Association, to become one, you know, to be an active member of the IDA because it's a, a tremendous resource and it really puts you in touch with so many other dentists and I think, you know, kind of, it's key really to our mental health is socialising and, and talking to other people who are going through similar things. Because it
0: can be a, a solitary enough profession. It's
1: very isolating and we often ruminate on problems in our head and we kind of are in a small space for years and end with often the same person, you know, different patients but often with the same nurse. That can be really difficult and it can be very isolating and so somewhat depressing and also we're dealing with patients who are often anxious not my patients obviously but you know other people's (laughs) patients but you know anxiety can be really contagious so we absorb their anxiety whether we know it or not and it can often make us quite anxious as people so I really think self-care is hugely important and also minding our bodies because often you know a lot of dentists have back problems and we kind of put ourselves into different kind of positions in order to do the dental work right whereas I'd always say to younger dentists you know get your posture correct first and then do the dentistry because it goes hand in hand
0: Currently, nothing to add to that?
1: I suppose,
3: I think just to have belief and confidence in your training. I think that it's a tough and it's a difficult training, but you come out of it a fully qualified dentist, and just I suppose to believe in yourself and to believe in your own abilities and to work hard and to always try and do the best for the people who are seeking your care because I think that's, I suppose that's the most important thing at the end of the day and that I think if you can get to the end of your career and feel like you've done that I think you can be really proud of yourself. I also think that just from starting out I think doing training posts are a great idea particularly if you have an interest in specialising just because it if you don't it kind of limits your options later on but also just to get an immersed exposure in a particular specialty is, is great.
0: Well, it's great to hear three people so positive about their careers. But can you tell me, what do you hate about your job? If there's one thing you can't stand, what is it? Well,
2: I've, I've one pet peeve. It's the patient who stabs a cigarette out before they come in the door to see me. So I so I've send them to the bathroom to brush their teeth. But that's, <laughs> I can smell a perio coming in. I can deal with that, but it's coming in after having stabbed a okay. cigarette. A warning
0: there for all smokers. Jen?
1: When I call a patient from the waiting room and they're on their phone and they say, Hang on, I'll be with you in a minute. And I'm like, I'm, We're here, we're ready for you. Oh, two minutes now, I'm just going to finish this call. That really bugs me.
0: Okay, <laughs> And mobile phones there. <laughs>
3: For me, I think it's just parents who are kind of transferring their anxiety to their kids. Do you know, they're kind of telling them they've never been to the dentist, they're coming in the door, the parents are going, it's OK, it's not going to hurt, don't worry. And you're kind of thinking, oh, God, like, we haven't done anything yet. <laughs> you know, we haven't even been to the dentist before. So that, yeah. The only just, word uh, the
0: child is hearing is hurt.
3: Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that for me.
0: <laughs> That's great. Thank you very much indeed for joining us.
3: Thank Thanks.
0: That's about it for this episode. If you enjoyed it, spread the word and recommend it to your colleagues and other IDA members. You can subscribe to The Whole Tooth on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening and see you next time.